I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. On DAB Plus, online, via the Talksport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot oh. and finds the net. On Talksport 2. to Women's Football Weekly. There was cancellation chaos, but some football did manage to go ahead this weekend and there was a big result at the bottom of the table. Pike with the corner towards the far post and headed all beyond Hurrihan and into the back of the net. So much power on that header. Manchester United closed the gap on third place with a big win over Aston Villa. Gets it away to Staniforth. Oh, what a finish from Lucy Staniforth. And we'll be doing the draw for the Continental Cup live on the show at 5.30pm and revealing the host of next year's final. Back it goes again for Fran Kirby on a hat-trick, squares it for Kerr who's also on a hat-trick and she gets it. Well, those two have just been nothing short of sensational today. All that plus we talk UEFA Women's Champions League and hear from Manchester United's Alicia Russo. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Fake Others. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Evening, afternoon, everybody. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. It's not Shaban in tonight. It's not Faye either. It's the third string back up from the bench uh, to substitute tonight. But I'm very excited to be in the big chair tonight. A lot of pressure on my shoulders to fill the big shoes of Faye and Shaban. But I'm going to do my best. And also, I'm very lucky to have in the studio with me today, Jenna Scalacci, former Spurs captain. Jenna, thank you so much for coming in and braving the cold and COVID to be here. No worries at all. <laughs> and it's the first time I think you've actually been in the studio, probably since like mid 2020. It's been ages. Yeah, I've been. Uh, we've only ever met in from the bedroom, from, from <laughs> on Zoom. <laughs> so yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, I think that we've really got to get stuck into the game at the bottom of the table at the weekend because it was always going to be a huge game for this season for what happens with relegation and I think it really lived up to that billing so much on the line for Leicester City uh, at Birmingham a huge huge game really good fan base at the King Power as well over 2,000 came to watch Leicester City and they got the win finally 2-0 against Birmingham City a massive massive victory big defeat for Birmingham and I'm going to come on to, to them next but 
What a result for Leicester. Yeah, it's massive. I think um, their performances lately have been much improved. I think defensively they've been looking a lot more organised and you felt that the result was coming. And I mean, for what an occasion to do it. For such a young team, they really, really stepped up. I think the opening 15, 20 minutes was really cagey, but you, you would expect that given the what was riding on the match. But I, think, I thought they were the better team on the day. Once the first goal got went in they then created a lot more chances could have been more than 2-0 um, and I felt that they limited Birmingham to really half chances so they fully deserved it they were the better team on the day yeah it's funny you said the, the cagey thing because I, I chatted to Lydia Bedford earlier today and going to hear some of that interview in a bit but she said that the cagey factor she could definitely sense that in her players and obviously there's so much on the line there is really WSL survival at stake in both of these fixtures that like, these two sides are going to play against each other so it's not really surprising that with that and everything going on in the world right now that the players would have been pretty nervous if you were in that position still playing you probably would have felt that right yeah absolutely and I think you know had they lost that match that the gap would have been so big and the, they would even have more pressure on them so I think for them to to get that result when so much was riding on it it's a lot of credit goes to the the, the coach and staff the team um, for them to go out there and put on the performance that they did and I know when you've been on before, we've talked to you about that step up from the championship. But do you think that the, that sort of performance, these sorts of results was always there in that Leicester side and it was just more about confidence for them? Yeah, I think recently I, I was at the Arsenal match and, you know, after losing Gemma Perfield in the first half, that game could have gone one way or another. And I thought after the sending off, they really came together. They were fighting. They just looked really together and they were solid. And, you know, to, to concede two more goals against an Arsenal team who would do that to teams who have 11 players anyway, I think they would have taken a lot from that performance. But for me, I think they've really improved in the last month or so. So I always felt it was coming because um, they do have threats going forward as well. So, um, yeah, I think now hopefully this will be something they've got the free free points to build on from now. Yeah, it was, it's brilliant to chat to Lydia Bedford, new head coach of Leicester City Women. She's only been in the job 20 days, but I caught up with her earlier today to chat about that massive result at the King Power. I started out by asking her how she felt at the final whistle. Yeah, I think it was a mixture of pride and relief. Um, relief that we finally had three points on the board and pride in what the girls have produced throughout the 90 minutes on the pitch because... Um, not only did we win the game 2-0, I felt there were two other reasonably clear-cut chances that we could have put in the back of the net, which would have made the scoreline even more convincing. But not only that, they rode a real storm and Birmingham executed probably exactly what we expected to them, them to do in terms of being direct and creating chances from set plays. And there were moments in the game where they could have created chances and scored and, and we rode those moments and got the momentum back in our favour, which... I think made it a really professional performance from the girls and resulted in a clean sheet, which was brilliant. And at the end, when the whistle went, yeah, total relief, if I'm honest, um, and elation at the same time. And it's tough as well coming into this game off the back of, you know, a tough defeat at, at Arsenal and then everything else that's going on in the league right now with COVID. So what was the what was it like before the game with the girls? Like, Could you visibly see them quite nervous about this match? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, they were reasonably quiet at the training ground in the morning and there was a few of them that I think you could sense a little bit of a nervousness. But we'd spoken the, to them in the week about controlling the controllables and, and there were parts of the performance we knew we'd be able to control, our work rate, our energy, our effort, our composure. 
and the other parts that we can't control, spend less time worrying about those. Because as I said in the kind of pre-game interviews, we could have a fantastic performance, have one mistake and lose the game. So they can't they can't spend their time worrying about that. Um, and I think they were able to really put their focus on what we'd asked them to step, step up and do on the pitch. And I think from the first whistle, they played with a real energy and intensity. And although that first five, 10 minutes was probably a little bit cagey from both, I think um, we grew into the game pretty quickly and getting the goal reasonably early in the first half helps that um, and helps their composure as they kind of build forward from that. But I think the Arsenal game last week, we learned a lot about them when they went down to 10 players. So I think we've kind of taken some courage from that performance, which they were able to take into this weekend. And I think they've shown that resilience across both games, which has been great. And you've only been there a few weeks now, but what is it that you've tried to get the team to focus on? Is it play a certain way? I know one of the things that we definitely saw against Arsenal was quite a high line. What is the what is it that you want to do with this this side? Yeah, I think I'd say what you saw against Arsenal is probably... Uh, continuation of the work that Jonathan had been doing with them and we didn't look to change too much going into that game we'd executed a similar style of play against United the week before and and got the point in the Conti Cup in the penalty shootout as a result of doing it um, so we'd actually spent more time on the training pitch in the lead up to the Arsenal game focusing on the in-possession qualities we'd want to execute against Birmingham and only really touched on Arsenal kind of match day minus two leading into match day minus one so I'd say in terms of the things that we've been able to influence, it's probably been that composure and belief in what they can produce with the ball at their feet. Um, and I'd, I'd hope anyone who watched the game back yesterday would would see that when we were able to switch the ball into wide areas, we caused real problems and showed some composure in that initial build-up. I think the bit we now need to work on is the kind of final pass and the and how clinical they are in front of goal, but some real progress in those areas. But I, if, if I was being totally honest, I think other than creating that belief, I think the biggest influence I've been able to have over the last two weeks is more an environmental and cultural one. And just really getting the girls to connect over what our goal is for the season and what we need to do together to achieve that. And I think that's probably had some of the influence that you'd see on the pitch when they went down to 10 players. And yesterday when they rode some of those storms at halftime, um, I think that togetherness is starting to come out on the pitch. And do you feel like, obviously, obviously yesterday's result makes a massive impact on, on the team because you beat, you know, probably your closest relegation rivals. You come off the bottom of the table. It's a massive boost. Are you feeling really positive now about the, 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 the chances of, of this side staying in the division? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you look at the league table... The next game against Birmingham will be reasonably critical and that will look, I'm sure, very different based on it being at St Andrews and not King Power. Um, but we said leading into this weekend's game that it wasn't just about this game. We've still got 11 games left this season and there's many of those which I feel we should be able to compete to try and get something from. So certainly in January, we've got three league games that are very important to us and our focus will be on trying to pick up points in those. And I'm very aware that it's not just about the games between us and Birmingham because Birmingham themselves carry a threat and they may well cause problems to other teams this season. They already got the point against West Ham earlier in the year. So it's very much about not just looking at Birmingham, but actually just preparing ourselves as best as we can for every opponent and trying to cause as many upsets as we can between now and kind of February time. And I think by February, we'll have a reasonable indication of where we lie. 
Yeah, is it a little bit frustrating to have this break in the season now, given Sunday's result? You must feel like you just want to carry on. Yeah, I do think the break's really important. You know, I might have only been in the door for 20 days. Um, feels like about two years already. But the girls, you know, have had a long first half of the season. Emotionally, it's probably been reasonably draining for them at times. And I think it's important that they take the next five or six days to spend time with family. I'm a big believer that, you know, if they can enjoy this time over Christmas, we'll get an extra 20% from them when we get back. So they're back in with us on the 28th. They don't have a lot of time after Christmas before we hit the ground running again, but they've been given gym programs and running programs this week. So although they can, you know, choose their day and see people and enjoy Christmas, they know there's a real focus. They know there's areas that they can um, help develop for themselves during those six days that will give us a better opportunity post-Christmas. So I actually think it's probably come at a nice time. And I think if I'd have had them in training on Tuesday, it would have been difficult to get their feet on the floor thinking about what the next game might be. So it's probably come at quite a nice time. Yeah, well, I mean, were there any celebrations, obviously, given the situation? You, you can't probably do too much. But what were, what were the vibes like in the change room afterwards? Yeah, not, not any celebrations. The girls didn't go out and do anything afterwards. We had a couple that were trying to get home for Christmas reasonably quickly. Like I said, they're back in on the 28th. So as quickly as they could get home, they would. But obviously, the girls were excited in the change room afterwards. And there was a real elation. You know, you could see some of the kind of photos from on the pitch. I think it's a mixture of relief, elation. But... Um, I really want them to enjoy that moment. I said to them at the end in the huddle, like there's a lot of smiles in this huddle right now. And, and this is what we've got to aspire to do more often this season. And I think if we can build that belief, then we've got half a chance of doing that. And we all know Leicester have huge ambitions for, for this team. Looking ahead to January, you've got a, a really strong squad with a nice blend, blend of championship and WSL experience. But are there any additions that you're looking to make in, in the next window? Yeah, I think what's been brilliant is to have the last few weeks to really see the girls play. That's probably why I was most disappointed that the Man City game was off on Wednesday, because there's some players that haven't had the chance to get as much match time that we would have started in that game, which would have given me a chance to see them perform. Uh, We're very conscious that by adding to the squad, we're only going to increase our chances of being more competitive. I think if anybody analyses Leicester City women over the past six months, the starting 11 has almost picked itself, which to some extent is positive because they've got like a connection on the pitch. But I have a firm belief that to get the best out of those 11, you've got to have people that are competing and pushing them in training. And as a manager, I want to pick players based on form in training and games. Um, and, and I'm willing to make those decisions to try and keep the squad on their toes. So we definitely would like to bring some players in over Christmas that will help add to the squad and bring more experience and challenge in different areas of the pitch. So that's, yeah, that's a big focus of ours over the next week or so. Yeah, great to chat to Lydia Bedford earlier today. Jenna, when we were chatting earlier, you you were saying that you actually sort of crossed over with her a little bit in that first season Spurs had in the WSL, the obviously pandemic kit one. What was she like in any of the time you spent with her? Yeah, so it was actually um, when we was in the championship at the time. So we were preparing, you know, all plans were in place to, to gain promotion. And yeah, she came in and she, she um, I just remember having a really calm, calming um, aura about her and wasn't afraid to step in and was really um, concentrated on little details. So a session would be going ahead and she would really pick up on small little details. And it, re- it it's quite similar to the Tottenham setup where she was talking about the environment and the culture because that was something while I was at Tottenham and I believe it still is the same case. That was a really key factor 
you know, getting all the team on the right page in that sense. And so, yeah, um, I've only had really positive things to 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 say about Lydia and I, I think she's doing a great job there so far. I don't mean to make this sound super ageist, but obviously you're still coaching. You're not long retired. Lydia's a very young coach. She's been coaching England under 17. Do you think it's something about younger coaches that they are kind of bigger thinkers in, in this sense because they want to learn more they're still on they're still on a very early journey in their career so they're constantly working hard to sort of educate and you know get more skills and qualifications do you think that's a unique aspect of being such a young coach yeah i think absolutely i think she's had the experience you know she's been involved with the fa for for a number of years and that will only help her grow and it says a lot about these young coaches coming through and there's so many people they can learn from you know you've got emma hayes who's doing a fantastic job and then Carla Ward who's who's had Emma Hayes as a mentor so I think it's it's brilliant that these coaches are coming through at such a young age because you know even people that are retiring out of the game you know they we can look up to them and they are role models to us it doesn't matter your age if you're good enough you're good enough it doesn't matter if you're what the age is would you say as well it was a bit of a risk because for for Leicester obviously the main goal is is WSL survival so it's interesting that they went for a young, hungry, exciting, up-and-coming coach and didn't look to someone, you know, obviously Matt Beard's at Liverpool right now, but someone of that sort of experience who's been there and done that in the WSL several times, won league titles, got so close to keeping Bristol City up. Yeah. Would you say it's, it's interesting that they went for that decision? Yeah, I think it would have been easier to go for an established name and, you know, someone who's had that experience and been in that situation before. And it may be a risk, but I think, you know, a new coach brings new ideas. She's been in and around. She's got good connections with the younger players in the England setup, And it's a project there at Leicester. Um, they had to make a change and it had to be made quickly. So I think they've done that at the right time. And already she's been in and they've got two wins, one in the Cup and one in, in the um, WSL, in the, in the biggest game of their, their life so far. So I, I, I think it's a, a safe bet and I think, you know, it, it, she'll grow with the team as well. Yeah, it's such a unique situation to have in the WSL where you basically got two matches that are effectively sort of knockout games for yeah. two teams who are going to be in the relegation fight. Looking at Birmingham, with everything that's going on around the club as well in the last sort of six months or so, it's going to be really difficult, despite a really good performance against Man City, to then have this result and then a break from football um, before you get a chance to sort of put things right. I mean, in your experience as a player, what do they do now to try and get some more points on the board? Yeah, it's an absolute sucker punch as well. As you say, they've now got a two-week break. Um, Usually when you lose a match, you just want to get back on the pitch to put it right. And usually the games come thick and fast. I think for Birmingham on their side, they've got the experience of being in these relegation battles. It's not the first time they've been there. So they do have that on their side. They do have players with WSL experience that may top Leicester's young side. But I think losing those three points, dropping them, the pressure is all on them. And now they really just have to focus on the return fixture in February. But it's strange that we're talking about it so early on in the season. I don't think it's happened like this before, like such a deciding match happening so early on the season. Yeah, it, do, it does feel really strange. And that return fixture is going to be the 6th of February. And I couldn't fit all the interview with Lydia Bedford in 
tonight's show, but I'll, I'll definitely try and put it in the in the podcast so people can hear it. But I mean, she was obviously saying that that game against St Andrews at St Andrews is going to be really tough, um, and she's looking to try and add a bit of depth to the squad in the transfer window. And we're definitely going to be talking more about that uh, Leicester City and Birmingham City situation when we come back in the new year. But for the moment, we're going to talk next uh, after the break about the rest of the WSL. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport Two. I'm Flo Lloyd Hughes in for Shabana Hearn, who was in for. Faker others, but we're halfway down the substitute bench now. Jenis Galacci is with me. Coming up, we're going to be talking about the rest of the WSL action. Afternoon, this is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes, in for Shaban tonight. Jenis Galacci is alongside me. Don't forget, if you miss any of our shows or want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so download it today. Uh, it's our last show of the year. We're going to be back in the new year once the women's football calendar resumes. We're also going to be doing the draw for the quarterfinals of the Continental Cup at 5.30pm, so just over 10 minutes to go until that one and we're going to be announcing the host of next year's final which is very exciting but first what we're going to do is chat through the rest of the weekend's WSL games with now women's football weekly preview on talk sport 2 with a now sports membership stream weekly weekend matches from the women's super league live without a contract from just 9.99 search now sports 18 plus stream via internet terms apply and to help us chat through some of that is freelance football journalist Jesse Parker Humphreys, who joins me now. Jesse, how you doing? Good, thanks, Flo. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, we did get some other football taking place of the weekend. We obviously lost three sets of games, but as well as that Leicester and Birmingham City match that we talked about earlier in the show, we had Manchester United playing Aston Villa. A 5-0 win for Aston Villa. Saw afterwards that Carla Ward was frustrated, saying that she wants her team to just get back to doing the basics. What were your thoughts on this one? Because... I, I think Aston Villa are a lot better than the performances we've seen from them in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's weird really, isn't it? They had a great start to the season and it's almost like they put so many points on the table it felt like they could switch off because Leicester and Birmingham are so far behind them. But, you know, we're not even halfway through the season yet. So there's plenty of time for, for Leicester and Birmingham to turn it around. And I do wonder if they're going to start kind of nervously looking over their shoulders a bit because it just feels like at the moment they're they're really at sixes and sevens and you know Manchester United just absolutely took them took them apart at the weekend. Yeah Jenna obviously in your first season in the WSL the the league was ended but Spurs finished the season in seventh place which is probably about where I would expect Aston Villa to potentially finish but this is their second season in the division now would you expect to see them pushing a little bit more to compete with with some of the other sides yeah I think you know the first season it it is a big jump up from the championship and that's where you establish yourself and you know it's all about staying in the league um and not much really much not much else really matters you know you just want the points on board I think the second year is when you really got to kick on and she's signed some very good players there and I agree I think they've the fact that they picked up points early on is their saviour at the minute because um, yeah, yesterday's match against Man United I thought Man United were dominant from start to finish and Aston Villa just didn't look like the team we, we've seen at the beginning of the season so I think maybe the breaks come at a right time for them they can reset and, and go again in January but um, yeah they definitely need to tighten up defensively I think they're just leaking too many goals they just look very disorganised at the back at the moment Yeah Jesse, I know we've spoken about 
being a little bit surprised at how Hannah Hampton struggled a little bit in Carla Ward's side, having worked with her at Birmingham, being such a talent, you know, such a league favourite. She's kind of struggled since joining Aston Villa. Yeah, I don't know if it's just, you know, this kind of change in environment. I do think she's she's actually looked less nervous in, in recent games than maybe she did at the, the start of the season. But it still feels like she's just not quite comfortable with the defenders in front of her. And, and you know, there were some moments when Aston Villa were kind of looking to play out for the back, um, getting kind of caught by United's high press in that game where everyone just felt very, very nervous. And, you know, it, it's a tough one. She's obviously still an incredibly young goalkeeper. We often see goalkeepers peaking later, don't we, than, than other players. But it just feels like she hasn't quite kicked on in the way we maybe expected her to when she got this move. Yeah, I mean, we have to give credit as well to Manchester United because I saw them last weekend against Brighton and I thought it was going to be a much tighter contest than it was. But similarly to the result yesterday, United just dominated that game from start to finish. Hope Howe was really disappointed with how her side played. So I think it's also positive for United to see that they are being a bit more sort of there's a bit more rhythm to them going forward than we've seen in past weeks. I think going forward, we were worried that they weren't quite scoring enough goals, but the last few weeks have, have definitely proved otherwise. Uh, in the other game that took place at the weekend, Tottenham beating Everton 1-0, obviously a, a club that you're close to, Jenna, but that's a big result for Spurs. Yeah, a massive result going into Christmas break in fair position. I think, you know, if you'd have said that at the beginning of the season, I don't think many would believe you. But it's credit to to them. I think they they were outstanding again yesterday. They it wasn't an easy match for them to win, but this season we've seen them win matches that last season they would have just folded. But now they're finding a way to win. They they've got players going forward in the likes of Naz, who scored a fantastic goal, and Williams. And you know they they they're counter pressing. They're, their goals are very similar. They're winning the ball back in the midfield area and, cal- and countering at pace, and it is dangerous. So, yeah, fantastic start to the season. I just hope it continues into into the second half of the season. Yeah, six wins, third in the table, which is brilliant. And that, that obviously, realistically, m- not a lot of people might see them still in third come the end of season. But to be in that position with how wide open that Champions League spot is. I mean, imagine if Spurs had Champions League football next imagine season. Imagine that. <laughs> It'd be great. I think as well, defensively. At least, well, at least some half of the, the, the club is going to be having Champions League football, yeah. maybe. <laughs> the women are going to have to yeah, do it this exactly. year. Exactly. But now I think defensively as well, they've, they've really tightened up and not conceded half as many as they did this time last season. So yeah, full credit to them and hopefully they get the Champions League spot. Jesse, I know you've been looking a little bit at John Luke Vasseur and his tenure at Everton because it doesn't seem like, despite making that managerial change, much has really changed since Willie Kirk left. Yeah, um, he's now had five games in charge, which is as many as Willie Kirk kind of had before he got sacked at the start of the season. And John Luke Vasseur has ended up with, I think, one point more. Uh, than no one point less even than than Willie Kirk did with a much easier run of fixtures. You know, Kirk had to kind of play Chelsea, City, Arsenal, whereas, um, you know, we've seen Everton lose to Brighton, lose to Spurs now as well. You know, like none of these are bad teams, but it's just not really... It was came such a surprise when Kirk was let go so quickly, you know, when the club had really seemed to back him in the transfer window, bringing all of these players in. But it doesn't really feel like Vasseur's figured out how to, to fit them into into his system either. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting character. I've seen some of his press conferences and and the quotes coming out of them. He he loves a sort of random, strange, obscure metaphor. Um, But what do you think they're going to do in the incoming window and and with the rest of the season? Because 
Kirk was given a huge budget, spent it, couldn't really get the best out of the players yet. And surely the club aren't going to go down that road again with Vasseur so quickly. No, you think you'd have to think that he's still going to spend the season kind of trying to to figure out how how he fits everyone in. But you know, some of the decisions that he seems to make is I can't for the life of me understand why Hannah Benison doesn't start every time she comes onto the pitch. She looks by far and away Everton's brightest and most creative player. They fought tooth and nail to get her when she's one of the most highly rated young players in the in the country. And it's a bit like you know you can start her. You don't have to just bring her on for the last half hour every game and kind of the underlying numbers suggest as well that you know in terms of kind of shot creating and goal creating actions she's right up there with with some of Everton's most creative players so that's a bit of a strange one to keep an eye on I think. Yeah we'll see if she starts a few more games after this little Christmas break I mean in terms of the the games that were called off I just wanted to sort of maybe give a little bit of a half-term report on some of these sides but Arsenal Brighton was one of the games that got called off Chelsea West Ham and Manchester City Reading. Chelsea a team I know you follow closely Jesse. How do they bounce back from the the last few weeks? Because it's been really tough. And I wouldn't say, you know, elements of their season are written off because the dynamics of the league can change so quickly. But obviously they're out of Europe, uh, which is hugely disappointing. And they're now four points behind Arsenal. So what will Emma Hayes want to see from her players when they come back from the Christmas break? I mean, I think, you know, now the focus from Chelsea does have to be on those domestic competitions. Obviously, you know, winning the treble, quadruple, whatever you want to call it last season was fantastic. But I do think almost because of that, that's why the Champions League disappointment hits so hard because it now just feels like they're kind of back in the same position they were last year. I don't think the league is out of sight by any means. I think, you know, the big thing that we've seen in the WSL this season is that kind of levelling up of teams like Spurs and Brighton uh, alongside teams like United and City to put pressure on Arsenal and Chelsea and I think both Arsenal and Chelsea will drop more points as the season goes on so I think Chelsea will just want to take advantage of that you know slightly extra time they have over Arsenal but the problem is that they face is that realistically um, with the Champions League quarterfinals not being till March there's not actually much advantage to be gained over the next two months anyway I mean I guess Hayes's real focus will be that game against Arsenal taking place in in February as, as the next real big matchup. Yeah, and quickly, before I let you go, that third Champions League spot, like I just said, it is wide open. We've got Spurs and occupying that at the moment. Brighton have been there at one stage. Man United right behind Spurs are two points behind them. Man City definitely still within a good chance. Who, at this halfway point, who would you say is is going to be getting that Champions League spot? For me, I think it looks like United right now. I think they just seem to... It feels like Skinner's really hit on the right team. I've been really impressed with Vodaboa Risa over the past couple of games coming into that side. And they, I just think they've got a really strong balance. I mean, it will be interesting to see what City look like when players like Roebuck and Bronze return, presumably in the new year. But I do feel like United um, should, should feel confident going, going into the new thing. I think Spurs, for me, the worry is, is how tight so many of their games have been. I think they've only won one game this season by more than a one-goal margin, and I just worry that in the second half of the season, some bad luck might start to swing their way, as often happens with these things. Jenna, what's your thoughts on on third spot? Um, I have to agree with Jesse. I think Man United are looking very dominant at the minute. Um, I think Tottenham are struggling. Um, they're, They're scoring, but it is by very marginal, so I think maybe it might be something they look at in the transfer window. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a, a tight toss-up between Man United and, and Tottenham. 
yeah, definitely one one to watch. Jesse, thank you so much for for joining us, and I'm sure we'll chat to you soon. Thanks for having me. And that was a look back at the women's football action from the weekend with Now. Don't forget, with a Now Sports membership, you can stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League as well as the Premier League, all without a contract. Search Now Sports. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream weekly weekend matches from the Women's Super League live without a contract from just $9.99. Search Now Sports 18 plus, stream via internet, terms apply. So coming up is going to be the main event. We're going to be doing the draw for the quarterfinals of the Continental Cup. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Evening, everybody. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Now it's time for the main event. The pressure is on. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Jenna Scalacci is with me in the studio. We're going to be doing the draw now for the quarterfinals of the Continental Cup. We did the draw for the fourth round of the Women's FA Cup last week and it went so well with our friend Gary that we're back for more. Uh, This time Tessa from the FA is with us to make sure we do everything right. Um, I think this is the most tense I've ever been for anything. This is the first draw you've done right Jenna? It is. It feels like I'm going to step out for a football match it's that kind of pressure <laughs> oh really wow similar pressure well you never know if this goes well you could be you could be going to the big leagues you could be doing champions league you yes. could be doing you know carabao cup this is this is an audition you've got tessa from the fa here so if you impress her you know all, all going all well right. um so obviously we've got eight teams uh still in the competition who've progressed from the group stages there is still and i'll get onto it in a minute uh some sort of tbc around one place in the quarterfinals with manchester city's game against against Leicester City not taking place. But with the draw numbers, we have 
Number one, Liverpool. Number two, West Ham United. Number three, Manchester United. Number four, Chelsea. Number five, Bristol City. Number six, Arsenal. Number seven, which will be Charlton Athletic, Leicester City or Manchester City. That is TBC. Manchester City's game against Leicester City will be rescheduled. We're still waiting to find out when that's going to be. And then number eight, Jenna's Tottenham Hotspur. So we'll be excited to see when they come out of the bag. But do you want to get started? Give us a nice little rummage. Let's find out who is going to be in this first quarterfinal tie. So do the honours, Jenna. So that is number two. That's going to be West Ham United at home. Against. Another little rummage there. This is the pressure. And they're going to be playing number four, which is Chelsea. Oh, that's a tough one. That game, they were obviously meant to play at the weekend at Kings Meadow, was called off because of coronavirus. A much improved West Ham United team under Oli Harder, playing the two-time winners, last season winners, who absolutely smashed Bristol City at Vicarage Road. West Ham United Chelsea is our first quarterfinal. Right, next one up, Jenna. A nice little shake right by the mic as well. She's a pro. (laughs) Get all the sound effects. Number eight, so that's going to be Tottenham Hotspur at home at the Hive. Jenna's done well there. Let's see, could it be Arsenal? They've been uh, come up against Arsenal a lot in this competition, the group stages. It's number one, that is Liverpool, a good draw. Championship side, Matt Beard's Liverpool will be going to Spurs. That's the second quarterfinal. Very well done, Jenna, there. Right, next quarterfinal. See what's coming out of this one. Number seven. So that is going to be Charlton Athletic, Leicester City or Manchester City. There are quite a few ways in which either of those sides could qualify. I'm not going to go into the technicalities because Tessa and I were talking earlier about how complicated it is. But once Manchester City's game against Leicester City is rearranged, we we will know which of those sides will be playing. So that'll be one of those three sides at home too. And that's going to be number five, Bristol City. Last season's finalists will be playing one of those three sides. Right, next up. Here we go, Jenna. Number six. So that's going to be Arsenal, five-time winners. And I think there'll probably only be one left. And that's going to be against number three, Manchester United. Arsenal beat Manchester United 2-0 just recently in the WSL so that'll be interesting to see what happens there it's been a tough few weeks for Arsenal after that FA Cup defeat then losing in the Champions League so let me just run through the quarterfinals we have Jenna's fantastic work drawing them it's going to be West Ham United versus Chelsea Tottenham Hotspur versus Liverpool either Charlton Athletic, Leicester City or Manchester City versus Bristol City and Arsenal against Manchester United. Some really, really exciting ties there. Those quarterfinal games are going to be played on the 19th and 20th of January 2022. The semi-finals will then be played on the 2nd and 3rd of February and the final is going to be happening on the 5th of March which then leads me on to announcing our host for that final obviously last season's final was at Vicarage Road behind closed doors without fans so I'm very excited to announce that the host of next year's final on Saturday 5th of March will be the home of AFC Wimbledon Plough Lane a brilliant ground I've visited it a lot I've covered AFC Wimbledon a lot it's such a nice new stadium 
It's absolutely brand spanking new. You couldn't ask for a, a more up-to-date venue. It's brilliant. It's going to have, have up to 9,000 fans. I'm hoping we're going to fill that to, to capacity. If you're interested in looking at getting tickets to that final, you can head to the FA website now. All the information will be there. Don't think you've ever been to Plough Lane, have you, Jenna? Never been, but it does sound like a great venue. I think if you can get that packed out, it, it's going to be a fantastic day and something something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier about the sorts of capacities we've had in the past. I think they've had two games at the Hive, which you, at ground you obviously know well. I think the, the, the final just before the pandemic, which was at the city ground, Nottingham Forest's stadium, that was 6,743. It was a big crowd, a very cold day, but a brilliant game. Chelsea beating Arsenal on that occasion. So I think this is the perfect venue for a match like this. Vicarage Road was an amazing stadium and such a shame that we didn't have fans. So I think, obviously, as a, as a neutral as well, I'm really excited to see how many people we get in for that. And based on how many people came to the, you know, the Women's FA Cup final, over 40,000 at Wembley, if you get a, a, another, another uh, sort of Arsenal-Chelsea situation, that should sell out, you think? Absolutely, I think it will. And I think those small stadiums are perfect for these big these women's finals. I think the atmosphere, if you can get it sold out, which I think you'll have no problem at all, I think it just makes it a really memorable day and it's a perfect uh, venue for the final. Yeah, I'm so excited. I can't reiterate enough how Plough Lane is such a brilliant ground. And, and the Wimbledon as well is such a, a great family club. Anyone who doesn't know about their story, have a look at Everson Wooden's journey. Just to get to this point, to get the funding together to build Plough Lane, to return to Plough Lane, it's an amazing story. So I'm so excited that the Continental Cup is going to be going there. I can't wait for that final on the 5th of March. Head to the FA website for more info about tickets. Um, quickly touch on Spurs, though, and and that draw, the first time they've got to the quarterfinals um, because they've always had tough groups. Obviously, we know it's a regionalised group system in the Continental Cup. So because of Spurs' location, they do normally get Arsenal and, and other big London clubs, which is obviously tough for them. But a quarterfinal against Liverpool, that's really good to give themselves a chance of getting to a cup final. Yeah, as you say, you know, they've struggled to get out of the group due to the opponents that they've met for the last couple of seasons. So... I mean, they could thank me later. This is a perfect draw. For them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a perfect draw and a, and, a, and a chance to advance and you know showcase some of our younger players coming through at the moment that have been playing in the in the qualifying round. So yeah, it's a great draw for Tottenham. Do you think for for a club like Spurs as well, and I think Brighton are sort of in this position this season, getting to the latter stages of a cup competition would be a real focus because obviously the dream. I mean, in the position they're in now, the dream would be Champions League, but. Realistically, do you think for them getting to like West Ham did when they got to the FA Cup final, getting to a cup final would be a massive thing? Yeah, I think especially for those teams that you've mentioned, I think you know Champions League is is the dream, but I think the Continental Cup final is a realistic target for them. Uh, get through the rounds against Liverpool, and you know you could have a, a good draw all the way to the final. And on, on a cup final day, anything can happen. In as we all know in a in a football match, so yeah, definitely, I think they'd have their eyes on that. And obviously, during your time at Spurs, they didn't make it to the quarterfinals. But do you have any painful or happy Continental Cup memories? Never really had any happy ones. <laughs> never had any happy ones. Never, never had time. a happy one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, maybe, maybe Spurs could make up for it this season then. Yeah, uh, over to them. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it is really exciting, actually, to have a competition like this where you've got opportunities for championship sides to really push the WSL. And also 
sort of assess where the gap is. Did you find that when you were playing WSL sides when you were still in the championship that it felt like a good way to measure, right, if we're a team that wants to get promoted or wants to, you know, level up and from WSL 2 or whatever it was at that point, you know, it's it's like a good marker, right? Yeah, I think... Actually, this goes back to my happy memories of Continental Cup. <laughs> we did actually, when we were in the championship, we were um, against teams in the, the league above us and we did pull off some results. And, and that for us was a really good boost and it, it helped us, as you say, to see how far we were away. And we, we were competing and in the matches that we did lose, we weren't losing by big margins and we were competing against these teams. So yeah, it does it does help you to see where you're at and what you need to improve on. And I think that's what Liverpool will do in a, in a fixture like that against Tottenham. Yeah, can't wait for these games. They're going to be played on the 19th and 20th of January. Let me quickly run through those quarterfinals that we've just drawn out. It's going to be West Ham United at home to Chelsea, Tottenham Hotspur at home to Liverpool, either Charlton Athletic, Leicester City or Manchester City at home to Bristol City. A lot of cities there in one in one tie. And then Arsenal at home to Manchester United. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly. We've just done the draw for the Continental Cup quarterfinals. But in the next part of the show, our final part of the show tonight, we're going to be hearing from Manchester United's Alicia Russo. Yes, good evening. This is Women's Football Weekly. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes in for Shabana Hearn tonight. Janice Kalachi is with me. This is our last show before the new year. We're going to be back on the 10th of January when the WSL reconvenes that weekend just before. Very exciting to see what happens in the second half of the season. It's been a good one so far. Um, one of the things we didn't get to chat about earlier, I want to just quickly touch on it now, is Women's Champions League quarterfinal draw that took place today. Obviously, we touched on the fact that Chelsea were knocked out um, with Jesse just earlier, but Arsenal have drawn Wolfsburg. Um, and if Arsenal get through, they face a semi-final against Barcelona. It's a tough one. (laughs) It's a real tough one. I think we saw what Barcelona are all about in the final against Chelsea and how they ripped them apart. So, yeah, I mean, a good draw for them with the Wolfsburg. I think when Chelsea did play them, they just didn't look like the Chelsea we know. Just nothing clicked. Um, So I think it'll be a good challenge for them against the Wolfsburg. But, yeah, coming up against Barcelona, it's uh, terrifying. And that's one of the unique things, I think, about the Women's Champions League is the fact that they do the semi-final draw at the same time. So you know who you're going to face if you get through. And if I had the prospect of facing Barcelona, I might just think, no, I'm not going to do (laughs) it. Just take it. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you from a player perspective, because obviously just before you retired, the coronavirus pandemic hit the UK. And after uh, Chelsea lost that game against Wolfsburg, Emma Hayes was talking about player anxiety around the virus, around Christmas and being able to not spend it with their families. It was huge in her squad. What was it like for you as a player during that time? And what was going through your head when everything around the world was, was changing so quickly? Yeah, I mean, I, re- I remember it because we, we went in for training during the day and we got called into a meeting, and got told to go home, take a ball with you because you don't know if you're coming back. Uh, and we we didn't, and I some of my teammates that are still playing, you know, they're f- from abroad, like P- Rhea Percival from New Zealand, Siri Worm. That there's a lot of players that weren't at home, and you felt for them because there's a lot of local girls within the team as well who have their family and friends close. But it's a very uncertain time, and I, 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 you can see how it could affect someone who can't. It was a lot more unknown at the time. And do they go home? Can they go home? Can they get out in time? And it was a very worrying time. So. And I know that's gone on now for for nearly two years. And so, as Emma was saying, some of them players still haven't been home. And I can 
imagine as a player it 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 can be playing on your mind it must be horrible just not knowing whether you're going to make it to go home I mean we're all worrying about whether we're going to make it to Christmas day so imagine the fact that you you've got plans to see your family after such a long time and it could just be taken away from you it, it must be a really anxious time for them all and we, uh, obviously I know it's in the past, but in this sort of sliding doors universe, if there hadn't been the pandemic, would it have changed your mind about retiring? Uh, for me, it was always, I always kind of knew. I, I mean, I was talking to my managers at the time, Karen and Juan, and we were putting together a plan of action. And then when it did happen in lockdown, it was just really, it was a weird, weird time for me because once I left the training ground in March. I never got to see anyone. Mm, I still you never really, really got been like a in. proper goodbye. Yeah, I didn't see anyone. And, you know, obviously all the games were behind closed doors. So, yeah, it was a very strange time. It made it a lot harder for me. Um, but I had already made my mind up uh, in the January anyway. So, yeah, it was, it was a tough time, but I got through it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really tough. I mean, we had Claire Rafferty on the show last week and, and you know, Shaban was talking to her about that very thing, about how much she misses the team environment. She mm. misses it hugely and she really misses just being with that group and, and having... That that sort of you know squad squad sort of familiarity yeah. and friendship and and everything like it's it's really tough. Yeah, I think and that's all I've really known. I've been playing in teams since I was five or six. So and your team become like a family. So to have that taken away really unexpectedly without getting to say goodbye, it was it took a long time to adapt. Even from going from training together when we were training at when it. But we weren't sure whether the WSL was going to continue that season. So we were all still training, but on your own. And it just, mm. it was a lot harder. But yeah, it, the transition is very difficult. I think I'm very lucky in the sense that I'm now working full time with Tottenham and I'm, I'm in and around the team. So I, I, you still, I still get, get a bit that. of that. Yeah, yeah I kind of yeah. just live through the younger kids now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds great as well. Um, just before we finish the show tonight, it got a really nice little bit of interview that Talk Sports Bradley Hayden. Bradley's been helping us throughout this season with content for the show. And he chatted to Manchester United's Alicia Russo earlier on this week. And to get us in a little bit of the Christmas spirit, sort of, uh, he asked her all the important questions. Questions like the first football shirt she ever owned. What was the first football shirt that you owned and what, what can you remember about it? I think it was like a really retro Manchester United one. Um, I think I got it for Christmas. It was red, it was the home one. Um, and I think I had Beckham on the back. <laughs> Love that. Was, it, was he your favourite player at the time? Yeah, one of, definitely. He had a wand of a foot. And <laughs> um, what's your favourite, what's been your favourite stadium to play in, in your career so far? I think when I made my debut for England, we were out in Dallas in Texas and, and obviously it was my debut and it was a lovely pitch and the moment around that all makes it stand out. And if you could play with any player, past or present, could be even in the men's or the women's game, who, who would it be and why? Um, I'd love to have played with Kelly Smith. I mean, I know we play the same position, but maybe if we went in a 4-4-2 or if I was on the wing. Cool. What a lethal strike partnership that would be. (laughs) (laughs) And what's the most starstruck you've ever been, if if you've ever met someone famous or maybe one of your your footballing idols? Um, I actually met Michael Jordan when I was in America. He went to my university and I'm a massive Michael Jordan fan and that's why I wear number 23. So to see him in and around the campus every now and again is amazing. Oh, what can you remember about that? Well, he, he played at North Carolina, so he was often at the basketball games and we saw him at a basketball game and he gave a little speech on the court and stuff. So, yeah, I've always idolised him. 
<laughs> and if we look through your Spotify playlist or, or your music playlist on your phone, who's uh, who's up there amongst your favourite music artists at the moment? Well, at the moment, it would be Adele. I think everyone's on a bit of Adele hype right now. Um, and I love her new album. So, yeah. I love that. And if you uh, if you had anyone, to, if they were making a film about you later on in your, your career, looking back at your, your professional career and your life so far, who would you want to play you and why? Oh, great question. Um, I mean, I know she is not my age and she doesn't look anything like me, but I'd say Sandra Bullock because she's my favourite actress. <laughs> so I'd love her to play me. <laughs> and lastly, if we stuck you away on a, on a desert island, what three United teammates are you taking with you and why? I think I'd be taking Millie Turner, Ella Toon and Martha Harris. I think... If I just took one of them, they'd drive me insane. So we've got to have all three. And Millie can do some cooking while trying to entertain us all. And and I'm not sure what Martha and Ella are going to offer, but it'll be nice to have their company out there. <laughs> Yeah, great to hear from Alicia Russo. Having a really good season after a lot of injury struggles over the last sort of season or so. Um, Jenna, quickly, what was the first shirt that you ever owned? It was a Spurs one. It was a really retro one. I can't, I couldn't even tell you the season. It was a pale blue, and it had sounds this... cool though. Oh, it was really cool. I'm, I'll have to try and Google and find it. I bet it's actually probably worth a fortune now. All those kind of retro ones, you need to dig it coming out. Back around, aren't <laughs> yeah, they? Definitely. <laughs> and what's the what's the the favourite shirt that you have now? Have you got any favourites in your collection? Um, my one is the shirt from the 2016-17 season. Only because okay. this is when we did the quadruple we got promotion and that's when everything changed for Tottenham and, and myself as a player so that's my favorite oh amazing um well thank you so much for coming in today and doing the draw with us I feel like we we did pretty well after all that after the tension of the draw we did pretty well <laughs> we um, survived and, it yeah and I'm sure we'll we'll see you in the new year as well on the show have a brilliant Christmas thank you whatever you. you get up to fam or no fam <laughs> um and thank you to everyone for for listening to us in 2021 it's been one hell of a year I'm sure you would all agree but thank you to jenna for joining us tonight thanks to lydia bedford as well for chatting to me earlier bradley for all his work um shaban as well for for presenting while faye's been off faye as well for for presenting in most of 2021 um it's been great to to look after this show while faye and shaban have been off and have a brilliant christmas everybody in new year and we'll see you in 2022 Uh, don't forget though if you miss any of the show you can download the women's football weekly podcast via the Talksport app When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.